The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Facebook whistleblower. I mean, you've probably seen a million headlines about Facebook whistleblower in the past 24 hours. We're going to tell you who this person is and what's really going on with the game. Coming up on I'm Right. During my time at Facebook, I came to realize a devastating truth. Almost no one outside of Facebook knows what happens inside of Facebook. The company intentionally hides vital information from the public, from the U.S. government, and from governments around the world. The documents I have provided to Congress prove that Facebook has repeatedly misled the public about what its own research reveals about the safety of children, the efficacy of its artificial intelligence systems, and its role in spreading divisive and extreme messages. I wish I was a communist. They're so good. What am I talking about? Well, let's, let's, let's talk about this here. That was Frances Hagen. She's been labeled by all the media outlets you've been watching as a whistleblower. Well, what's she blowing? Or blowing the whistle on? Facebook. She was a Facebook employee. And now she's out there saying Facebook is, is doing these evil deeds. But look, we're going to get to the specifics here in a second, but I want you to understand the build-up to this. You've seen recently, let, let's, let's rewind all the way, all the way back to Donald Trump's election, his, his first election. Donald Trump, uh, I don't know whether he was just a product of the times, whether he got it, whether his people got it, 
He was one of the first Republicans I've ever seen to use social media to his advantage and use it really, really, really well. I mean, all these big tech platforms, Facebook and Twitter and all these things, they're all hardcore left-wingers. Well, the Trump campaign, for whatever reason, they got it, and they just had this online army that was always out there on Trump's behalf. Trump gets elected president, and this is all public stuff. The big tech companies, because they're all communists, they were horrified. They were horrified. They, they looked and thought, oh my gosh, it, he used our own platform against us. And remember, they had some big meeting in Silicon Valley, Facebook and Twitter. And how can we, how can we make sure something bad never happens again? <clears throat> All right, let's move forward. You have guys like Mark Zuckerberg d- donating tens of millions of dollars to various election outcome places. and Oh, very nonpartisan stuff. But everyone understood the game. Going into that election, where it was Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, big tech, they'd already publicly met about it, had committed themselves to, okay, let's, let's never let a non-communist win again, huh? Let's, let's, let's keep a lid on that. It worked. All right? Joe Biden's president, Donald Trump isn't president. All right. But since then, what you've seen is a lot of Democrats chirping at Facebook. This is not uncommon. This is Democrat leadership. You've seen it at some of the highest levels. <coughs> Facebook. If we get Facebook in line, what's Facebook doing? Daggone Facebook. What are they talking about? Why are they attacking Facebook? Facebook is run by communists. It's always been run by communists. Dedicated themselves to, to, to making sure Joe Biden won the last election. Why are you mad? It seems like you're eating your own. couple things. Communists always eat their own. Remember that. They always eat their own. But here's what's actually going on. You can track the most popular things on Facebook. It's not hard. Now, I don't know how to do it because I don't use Facebook, but it's not hard. Apparently, a couple clicks of the button, and you can find out this is the most shared article. This is the most popular thing on Facebook. Well, if you go do that, like all the most popular stuff, is stuff on the right. All of it. Now... The communists may be happy that Facebook made some efforts for the last election to make sure Joe Biden was going to win, but they're horrified that they don't have everything. Remember, the communist doesn't look at the world like you look at the world or like I look at the world. If you were to set set up 100 islands out there, the communist storms in with his army and takes 99 of them. You've got one left. He wakes up the next morning after he's got 99 and you've got one and he doesn't say to himself, whew, what a route. This is awesome. We got 99% of the territory. I did really well. He wakes up the next morning and says, I cannot believe there's an island we don't have. How do we not have that island? We must destroy that island. That's how he thinks. That's why he's always miserable. But that's also why he advances so well and why he's so successful. They thought the same thing about Facebook. Okay, we got it. They helped us win an election, but why are they still allowing any content from the right? So they've been chirping at Facebook and chirping at Facebook and chirping at, chirping at Facebook. And this is why I wish I was a communist. I could never be one because they're a bunch of destructive, demonic monsters, but they're so good. They're so good at this. They roll out this whistleblower. Her name's Frances Hagen. Now, she was a former Facebook employee. Wow, she, she wants to testify before Congress about how damaging Facebook is. But who is Frances Hagen? 
Well, she's an algorithm specialist. Now, let's pause there for a brief moment. It means she controls what you see and when you see it. And this is hard for people like me who aren't that technological savvy to understand. So I'm going to dumb it down for you because I had somebody dumb it down for me and I'm dumb. So here's, here's the thing. When you click on anything out there now, anything out there, now your, your, your sports website, Facebook, whatever it is, there's not some set thing that everybody logging in at that time sees. You see, they've collected so much of your data and manipulated so much data out there, they're controlling what goes into your eyes, right? When you log into Facebook and a million other websites, I'm not singling out Facebook here. That's what an algorithm specialist is. She's the person sitting down, figuring out, what do I want them to see? What don't I want them to see? That's who she is. But wait, she's a lot more. She's a self-described advocate for public oversight of social media. Hmm. At Facebook, she specifically worked on a 200-person team that focused on policing election issues worldwide. Now, <clears throat> that sounds like good, good stuff, right? She's going to police any election issues. I'm sure, I mean, you're on the right. You certainly can think of a few election issues. Hang on. Most importantly, she's a left-wing activist. She has donated 36 times to people like AOC. Oh, and this random public servant whistleblower just out there just trying to do the right thing. It's funny. She has PR people. She has advisors. Who are her advisors? The same lawyers that triggered the Trump impeachment. Oh, hold on. There's more. So who's supporting this woman? What? Wow, it just doesn't seem like a random whistleblower. Hillary Clinton tweeted out, Tech companies have spent years building audiences for fear, hatred, and misinformation. Why? For profit. Now we're all living in the information system they've helped create. But it doesn't have to continue. I think you're probably grown up enough to see the game, what's happening here. If not, this little exchange between Hagen and Amy Klobuchar will probably reveal most of it to you. You said that Facebook implemented safeguards to reduce misinformation ahead of the 2020 election, but turned off those safeguards right after the election. Um, and you know that the insurrection occurred January 6th. Do you think that Facebook turned off the safeguards because they were costing the company money, because it was reducing profits? Facebook has been emphasizing a false choice. They've said uh, the safeguards that were in place before the election impl uh, implicated free speech. The choices that were happening on the platform were really about how reactive and twitchy was the platform, right? Like how viral was the platform? And Facebook changed those safety defaults in the run-up to the election because they knew they were dangerous. And because they wanted that growth back, they wanted the acceleration of the platform back after the election, they, re they returned to their original defaults. And the fact that they had to, to break the glass on January 6th and turn them back on, I think that's deeply problematic. Agree. Thank you very much for your bravery in coming forward. You see the game yet? You see what's going on? How brilliant it is? Oh, she went on. That wasn't it. 
she went on to elaborate, okay, so you're this whistleblower, and Facebook's evil, and they're after profit, and they, they wouldn't, safeguards, we need safeguards. Ooh, okay, that sounds good. I mean, who doesn't want safeguards? Well, who should be the one who controls what people see on Facebook? I don't think it's just a question of saying, should people have the option of choosing to not be manipulated by their algorithms? I also believe there needs to be a dedicated oversight body, because right now, the only people in the world who are trained to analyze these experiments, to understand what's happening inside of Facebook, are people who you know, grew up inside of Facebook or Pinterest or another social media company. And there needs to be a regulatory home where someone like me could do a tour of duty after working at a place like this and, and have a place to work on things like regulation. Someone like me. She just wants just someone like me. I, I, we need more controls over what people see and what they can share and what they can't share. Well, who should have those controls? Oh, I don't know. Someone like me. Hmm, it's funny. She also addressed something odd that happened. You see, when all this dust-up was going on, Facebook went down. I'm sure you know about it. Facebook went down for like 12 hours or a day or something. And she talked about that. We saw Facebook get taken off the internet. I don't know why it went down, but I know that for more than five hours, Facebook wasn't used to deepen divides, destabilize democracies, and make young girls and women feel bad about their bodies. It's about the kids, remember? It's always about the kids. We've got to protect young girls. Now, I'm going to skip over a couple of things, like the director of policies response and whatnot, because I want to skip right down to Mark Zuckerberg. You know, he's the guy who started Facebook, kind of. And remember, I want you to remember something. Mark Zuckerberg is the guy who's taken millions and millions and millions of his dollars, his own personal dollars, and he's dedicated those dollars towards left-wing activism, especially leading up to the election. And so Mark Zuckerberg wakes up and sees, oh my gosh, there's a fake whistleblower and she's just destroying me and my company. And this is what he said, quote, at the most basic level, I think most of us just don't recognize the false picture of the company that's being painted. Many of the claims don't make any sense. The argument that we deliberately push content that makes people angry for, pro uh, for profit is deeply illogical. No, Mark, you see told you this story before. Pol Pot, that horrible Cambodian dictator, the one who, in the course of like four years, killed 25% of his own country, you know, communist. When Pol Pot first took over Cambodia, big old coup, and they take over, there were 22 members of Pol Pot's committee, his central communist committee. You know how many were left after the first year? Four. The rest of them, they didn't make it. Stalin, when he took over, believe the number was, I may have this wrong, 75 members of the Central Communist Committee. We are the decision makers. We're in this together. We help each other. You know how many were left after the Great Purge? Eleven. You see, Mark, the problem is not that it's illogical. The problem is not Francis Hagen. The problem is not anything but you. You don't understand what you're dealing with here. You thought 
you thought tens of millions of dollars was going to be enough to placate the communist so he wouldn't come for you? The communist always comes for you, Mark. Always. And they never stop advancing. And back to what I said in the beginning, I really do wish I was a communist sometimes. I do. No, I don't want to be one of these monsters. I don't. But how slick is that? What a slick psyop that is. Identify some communist activist for Facebook, clearly get her organized with lawyers in a PR campaign, and then have her, just out of the goodness of her heart, come testify before Congress on why Facebook needs a lot more Congress in its life. Man, if only our side could think even briefly on that level of genius, we'd be a lot better off. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I am right. Now, we got Kevin Brady coming up next. He's going to give you a little inside baseball on Democrats and how they think. But first, I want to talk to you about something. I want to talk to you about debt. Not, not the national debt. I want to talk to you about your own personal debt. Because <clears throat> I've been through it. I know what it's like. And it's not the best feeling in the world. And on top of the desperation and frustration and stress, uh, it feels hopeless and embarrassing. Don't be that. Don't do that. Life happens. Life happens sometimes. Life is imperfect and messy. If you have more than $10,000 in debt, don't waste another second beating yourself up. Call Total Financial Freedom. They are masters at this. They've been doing it for 15 years. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They take people just like you who feel hopeless. There's no chance. Jesse, the money's not there. Don't you dare make that decision until you call Total Financial Freedom. Some cases, they'll cut your payments in half. They'll get you out of it. Set aside that hopeless embarrassment stuff. That's, that's nonsense. There's always a chance. Call Total Financial Freedom, 877-332-8291. Make sure you use the code JESSE when you call. Get you something free. 877-332-8291. Code Jesse, total financial freedom. You'll get out of it. We'll be back. Do you distrust the American people so much that you need to know when they bought a couch or a cow? I am astounded by what you're supporting and proposing. I think it's invasive. Banks already report directly to the IRS the interest that they pay on accounts when it exceeds $10. And this is not a proposal to provide detailed transaction-level data by banks to the IRS. It is a proposal to add two additional pieces of easily ascertained information. Wow, I mean, they can they can get it anyway, so what's the big deal? Gosh, geez. Joining me now, one of the good Republicans in Congress, Kevin Brady. He's from, obviously, the great state of Texas. He's also on the House Ways and Means Committee. Congressman, the way these people talk, well, they already do it, so I don't know what you're worried about, just a little more invasion of your privacy. Yeah, it is, uh, it is much more than that. Uh, the senator had it exactly right. Uh, look, um, this, they are not going after the wealthy. They're not going after big corporations here. The IRS has long felt like uh, the cheaters they need to go after are in the ag community. 
fam uh, farmers and ranchers, small business people specifically, but they'd never known how to get to them. Uh, this bank surveillance, uh, which is terribly intrusive, and the IRS, frankly, doesn't know what to do with the information and can't keep it private anyway, is really aimed at farmers, uh, small business people, working families. It is the biggest intrusion uh, in our lifetime. And then you add on top of that uh, 80,000 or more IRS agents, and you've got a supercharged IRS landing right on top of normal people. All right, Congressman, I, I don't want to speak out of turn. I mean, you're the one who knows this stuff. You're the smart one in this conversation. So we're hiring 80,000 IRS agents, and they're going to what? Sit down and comb through everybody's bank transactions? That's what it sounds like, but I don't want to be over the top because that's what it sounds like. That is going to be part of it. And as you'd imagine, again, we need to go after the wealthy and the corporations. But in truth, they have tens of thousands of auditors focused on them already. You know, what they're going after is the rest of us. But here's the deal. Here's why I think, Jesse, I, I think this is real. Uh, this is not a proposal uh, because in the House, Democrats, as you know, want to lift the salt cap. So that'll be a huge giveaway to millionaire households. But what they think they can do is pay for those hundreds of billions of dollars with these IRS agents and bank surveillance. So, you know, here they are giving a huge tax break to the wealthy and they are just slamming the IRS into your life in your business and your personal bank accounts to do that. It's just, it's incredibly hypocritical. God, you know what? That actually leads me perfectly into this little video clip from Joe Biden. Watch this. My friends and the other team have no problem giving billionaires and millionaires gigantic tax breaks. This is a tax cut. You know, what it does is now, and it's in place, and people in your state are understanding it now, instead of it provides it up the ante how much you could get for a child under seven, you get 3600 bucks tax cut on a yearly basis. And you get 3000 for a child under 17. But guess what we did? That means we're doing it on a monthly basis now. Congressman, I, I don't I, I don't know what's more shocking. I understand everyone's focusing on these people lying that this is going to cost zero dollars. The most shocking yeah. thing for me is they're flat out advertising their plan is to blood suck three point five trillion dollars out of the private sector and give it to the government. That is just amazing to me. It, it is, and that is another whopper. Uh, unfortunately, along with this will cost zero. And if you like your health care plan, you can keep it and the evacuation Afghanistan was awesome. All of them fit into the same uh, scenario. But the truth is, you know, they give huge tax uh, giveaways to the wealthy and the big corporations in this. They are raising, as you said, trillions of dollars of taxes. This is not a tax cut. And again, the Joint Committee on Taxation, the official scorekeeper, says this will raise taxes on middle income and low income families starting next year and a, a good example here so in the green new deal the green welfare provisions they will pay like send a check to a family making eight hundred thousand dollars a year as long as they buy an electric vehicle they'll give them a check for 12 and a half grand, and they can buy a luxury vehicle a mercedes-benz a beamer a jaguar that uh, costs up to seventy four thousand dollars they will send your tax dollars just those TV producers, those cameramen and women, the folks who who uh, 
frankly, clean your building, will pay for huge giveaways for the wealthy to buy luxury vehicles. It just is just unbelievable. And I think the more Americans see what's in this bill, the less popular and the angrier they're going to get. I, I, I know you're not you know, a prophet. I know that. But you are inside the belly of the beast. I, I'm horrified by this thing we've been talking about for a while, as I know you are. Do you think this thing passes? You know, conventional wisdom is that somehow, you know, the Biden agenda will survive uh, and Nancy Pelosi will magically pull it together. I'm not sure that's the case. In fact, I stand. I think we stand a 50-50 shot of stopping these taxes and this spending. It all depends on one thing, and it's not Nancy Pelosi's skill. Are there any moderate Democrats who will left in the House who will stand up for their local small businesses and our American workers and say no to this? You know, two of them did in separate committees in the House. Uh, we only need three votes to stop this. The question is, will they hold firm and will others join them? And I think the longer this holds out, frankly, the better our chances are. It's still uphill, but uh, we're in this fight to win it. Congressman, I got to ask about the FBI, because obviously the latest and greatest news is of course, Attorney General Merrick Garland apparently aiming the FBI at parents who are worried about their kids' education, which is just, that's a jaw dropper in and of itself. But just in the recent four or five years, we've seen some FBI malfeasance that goes way beyond one random agent it looks like we have a systematic problem over there. What are Republicans going to do about it if they do take back, you know, the midterms and Lord willing, the presidency and all that? Can, can they do something about the FBI? We don't need an out-of-control FBI. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I'll tell you that I always have to separate, you know, FBI agents who are in our community here in the Woodlands, Texas, and, and, and all who are uh, so discouraged by what they see as a politicization and weaponization of the FBI, because that's not who they are, uh, certainly, but the Russia collusion issues, all of this now really in, in going after religious freedoms uh, in America during COVID, now going after parents who simply are trying to express their views and ask their elected uh, school board members to consider them. You know, again, this is an FBI that, that Sundays just feels you know, out of control. And so when Republicans win back the majority, uh, you're gonna see us uh, hold the hearings, uh, seek the investigations. And I think the whole goal is again, to return the FBI to its mission, which we think is really critical for America, but what it is doing now on the political side, you know, ought to frighten everyone. Congressman, thank you so much for giving us some time today. I appreciate you. Thanks, Jesse, take care. No, let's hope we get after it. All right. We got Jeff Charles of Red State coming up next. He's got a bunch of good stuff to say, but first. Full disclosure, you know I dipped forever. That's not news for you. I, I'm pretty honest about that. Last night, it's not like I have a stressful job, okay? You have a stressful job. I talk on TV and radio for a living, but last night I got home and I was just having one of those days I wanted to dip bad really, really bad. I was even given that gas station the kind of side eye on the way home. But you know what saved me? Jake's Mint Chew. 
I knew I had it at home. I actually keep the Jake's Mint Chew CBD pouches at my house. Just these wee little pouches. Again, CBD pouches. So they take that edge off. I walked in the house, gave the old lady a kiss, and went and threw one in my lip. No tobacco, no nicotine, no sugar. So I don't have to feel bad about it. But I got over that little fix. Jake's Mint Chew is how you will quit. It's how you will stay quitted. Although I don't think that's a word. Go to jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. It'll get you 10% off. jakesmintchew.com. It works. We'll be back. Well, it's very tough because the parents are very uh, wounded by what's taken place by, in many cases, radical left school boards. And you would certainly think they have a, a voice, and they have a voice as to how their children are going to be educated, brought up and educated. And that's a very tough stance. There's no question about it. I heard that late last night, and I was somewhat surprised by it. But nothing surprises me too much anymore. Okay. I'm not quite sure what the... Prez was getting out there. Joining me now, Jeff Charles, RedState.com, LibertyNation.com, and co-host of the Red and Black Show. Jeff, uh, obviously, I think it's pretty much the biggest deal in the world that the Federal Bureau of Investigation seems to have both barrels aimed at the right. Is it just an arm of the Democratic Party now? Because that's a problem, brother. I mean, it, it certainly looks that way. I mean, it's definitely not a good look. I mean, I know they're targeting people who are um, opposing uh, CRT, critical race theory, and vaccine mandates in schools. And, you know, when I first saw that come out, I was like, uh, I was up two minds. Like, maybe maybe they're just doing this to make it look like they're doing something, because I guess the National School Board Association was whining about it. But then, at the same time, Gar Merrick Garland's memo only mentioned threats against school board members. Now, we know that people who have spoken out against critical race theory and vaccine mandates have also received threats. But it, this seems way too one-sided to be legitimate. Like, there's a lot that's wrong with this. Jeff, do you think the country as a whole, I, I know obviously you you pay attention to politics. I pay attention to politics. I get that you see how scary it is. Do you think the average American, the normal American who votes but you know turns on the news for five minutes every night, do you think they see something like this and realize this can end really, really, really bad? I wish I could answer yes to that question, but I don't think it is. You know, I do think that people are paying more attention in general, but I still think that the majority just kind of tunes this stuff out. I think they don't, I think a lot of people don't really understand the gravity of what's happening here. You know, the, the federal government is getting involved in a debate that's over local issues. A lot of people don't understand why that's a scary thing. I think that's what, what, what the problem is here. Jeff... Okay, the person on the right feels helpless right now. I know that because my emails to my show are all that. What do I do? I can't do anything. I can't do anything. You've been one of the best out there at telling people, forget about, I mean, not forget about it, but the federal government just set it aside. Local, man, local. School boards and city councils and, I mean, even state house. Why don't we do that enough? Is it not sexy enough? Because the left loves to do it and they're great at it. It, yeah, you, you just answered your own question. You're right. It's not as, as sexy as, as, as the federal, uh, federal level. You know, I think for the longest time, we have elevated the position of the presidency to, to, where, it's, to where he's almost a king. And that's scary because yeah. he doesn't have as much control over your life as your mayor does. But I will say this, Jesse, that I was pretty um, encouraged over the past few months because I saw news stories about 
parents actually running for their school boards. So they weren't just whining about it. They weren't just complaining. They weren't just protesting at school board meetings. You've got over 50 different areas in which the conservative parents are actually running for their school board. If they, you don't like your school board, then you got to replace it. You got to support somebody who's running or you got to run yourself. And we're seeing people do this. I just hope that this isn't just a passing fancy. I want this to extend to other areas too. run for your city council, run for your mayor's office or other or other positions. Jeff, I know you are a recent first-time gun owner, so I want to bring this up to you. Supreme Court is set to hear a gun rights case. The issue is, quote, whether the state of New York's denial of petitioners' applications for concealed carry licenses for self-defense violated the Second Amendment. Okay, that's a long way of saying New York is stiffing people on their concealed carry applications. Is it a violation? You know, I, I think it is. And I'm very glad that the Supreme Court has decided to hear this case. They haven't heard a gun rights case since the District of Columbia versus Heller in 2008. And this could have tremendous ramifications, especially for those who live who don't live in a shall issue state when it comes to license to carry. Like you and I live in Texas. So once we have the qualifications and we jump through the hoops, they have to issue that permit. But this has the potential to have ramifications for states that don't have that system, who have more of a scheme where if the law enforcement decides that maybe you have a good enough reason to own a gun, then maybe they'll issue it, but probably not because they're against guns. This could have huge ramifications for people who want to carry but live in, in blue states. Jeff, I brought this up today, and it absolutely blows me away at how good the left is at messaging. And I understand they have you know, 99% of the American media. But I was thinking about it this week, and everyone loves to share the headlines about shootings in New York and shootings in Chicago and Milwaukee and St. Louis is always a disaster, and I get all that. But the messaging of the left for, the, for this is so brilliant. You're in these cities where they're all run by Democrats. They pass these horrible gun laws, so innocent people have no defense at all. The cities become drug-infested war zones, and then Democrats and use those police. deaths to push more gun control and blame Republicans. It is, I mean, honestly, I know it's depraved and horrible. It's some of the most brilliant propaganda I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it is. But I'm going to tell you, Jesse, I, I think at this point, we're starting to win this battle. I mean, you know, gun ownership has gone up in, incredibly high over the past over the past year or so. People are getting guns like crazy, especially people who don't normally uh, get guns. Uh, black Americans, black women, women in general are getting guns. So I think that even though the left is really trying to limit uh, people's access to firearms. I don't think they're succeeding. And I especially think that if the Supreme Court decision goes the right way, I think that we, we will have made up a lot of ground. So I, it's still a hard battle. I mean, and Biden is very much anti-gun and they're going to try to use whatever regulations they can. But as far as the mindset and changing people's minds, I think the gun, I think the people who are on the side of the Second Amendment are starting to win this battle. Jeff, why the increase in gun ownership? What is it people are seeing? Because you're right, the numbers are shocking. I mean, I know you've seen the pictures. People are lined up around the block to go buy a freaking gun. Why? Yeah. What, what is it they're seeing that, that is making... I mean, you're a first-timer. What is it people are seeing saying, uh, I, need, I need a piece? Uh, there's a lot of different factors. I mean, first off, I mean, Joe Biden is one of the best gun salesmen out there. I mean, in general, yeah. when a Democrat gets in office, people do start going to get guns. But I think it's also the, the rioting that we've seen over the past year. But I would say even more than that is the skyrocketing crime rates and the homicide rates. I'm in Austin. 
we are going, we have already experienced record level homicides in this city. That's one of the reasons why I decided to, to, to buy a gun. I had been putting it off for so long, but at this point I was like, no, I, I need to be able to protect myself. And also because I think there's less of a fear of guns than there was previously. So I think that a lot of those things are, are combining to push people to get out there and, and get armed. I think we've seen now that, you know, if you want to defund the police and when you can't even count on the police to get there in time enough to save to save you, you got to be able to, to, to do it yourself. It is such a shame about Austin, Jeff. And I, I mean, I, I understand that's just one city and most people haven't been there. But for those who haven't, there was a time Austin was the coolest stinking city in the country. It was nothing but music venues and, and best restaurants and bars and fun. And I mean, it was, it, was, it was heaven for bachelor parties and bachelorette parties. It was glorious. My sister just lived there about a year ago and she packed up and leave. She, just, she couldn't take it anymore. It's, what they've done to that city and many cities across the country, it, it saddens me, man. It, it sucks. Yeah, and it's by design. I mean, the the, the, more, the worse they can make it, the more they'll, they'll have you depend on government. I still love Austin. I think Austin is a great city, but I will tell you, there are people fighting to, to bring Austin back to what it was. There's there's a you know save Austin now that that pact that we have that we have here. They're fighting tooth and nail to, to against a lot of this far left progressive ideology and the and the policies that they want to push, and they've had some success. So I, I mean, I do think there's there's a silver lining, but. It won't change until unless we keep fighting. Jeff Charles, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Northwest Retention Systems. You just heard Jeff talk about being a first-time gun owner, and I know there's a lot of people out there. When you buy a weapon, you learn what? You learn safety first, as you should, always safety first. Then you learn how to use your weapon. You get to a range. Maybe take some classes. I would recommend taking some classes. You get some ammo. So you got all, you got all the good, good stuff, right? All the fun stuff? Where'd you get your holster? Did you take all the time to get the right weapon, right ammo, everything's good, and then you just grabbed a holster off the shelf in the gun shop? Your holster has to perform and last. It is so critical that your holster is quality made so it lasts. Northwest Retention Systems doesn't just have the coolest designs out there. Every holster is custom-made, custom-made right here in America. I don't buy any gear unless it's from Northwest Retention Systems. I've never seen gear this quality in my life. Go to nwretention.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE because that's going to get you 10% off. nwretention.com. We'll be back. It's time for this week in wokeism. And I have two different major points I want to make this week. First, I'm going to play you a video. There's some transgender person. I mean, gosh, who knows anymore? I, I don't even know. Some transgender person pulls into Sonic drive through decides to film this whole thing. And it's a little long, but I want to make sure I play you this exchange. One, because it's revealing and two, because it's hilarious, and then I'll make my first point. Your entire staff has been calling me sir the entire time. Okay. What about me looks like a sir right now? Okay? Okay. Can we please move to the side? No. What? Look, I'm sorry, and I apologize for what happened. 
okay if they did that or oh i mean uh, what do you want I mean, i'm sorry what else can i tell you i mean ma'am what else can i tell you what are you so i can call you what are you no what are you Just why does it you. matter no no what are you why does it matter uh, uh, what are you Just why does it matter oh it doesn't matter to you i'm sorry i mean but to me i'm a male okay okay so what are you so i can call you a sir or ma'am what are you what would you assume looking at me what are you what would you assume looking at me i assume that you're a man okay okay thank you whatever <laughs> that may be the best video ever when when the dude Turns the camera around at himself to kind of like make that point. Do I look like a man? Big old jaw. <laughs> Shoulders looking like a middle linebacker. Gosh. All right. So point number one. <clears throat> it's actually not funny, but I can't help myself. What kind of mental illness are we pushing on this society? I mean, you understand there's a reason none of this stuff was a problem like 15 minutes ago. And now, all of a sudden, it's everywhere in the country. Our culture is pushing this. They're encouraging this. And you know, all else aside, I don't want to have a tender heart moment because you know I'm a big, huge jerk. But is that person in the car, are they a happier person? Are they better off because we've decided to tell them mental illness is fine and they're just going to wade into it? Is that person going to have a long, happy life? bouncing his grandkids on his lap one day? Or is that person going to be one miserable soul forever? There is a cost to this insanity we push. That's point number one. I promise point number two. And point number two is this. Sonic, what they do, they said the person, <laughs> they, they of course responded to this nutball and said they have an anti-discrimination policy and they take it very, very seriously. Okay, well, this brings me to point number two. A huge reason we are in such bad shape right now culturally in this country is corporate America. And specifically, the culture and cowardice of, of corporate America. Where are the business people with guts anymore? This is the problem. We not only have a mental illness problem where every single person who's just become a nutball it's just this free to just do it whenever and feel totally free to advertise their nutballness whenever. We have corporate America who feels as if they have to specially cater to every single nutball and aggrieved loser in the United States of America. Why is Sonic putting out a statement at all? Ignore the person, or even better, write them a letter and tell them to sit down and shut up and never show up at another Sonic again, although they won't be served food. You know, corporate America, you don't have to be a big weenie loser, right? You understand that. You understand you're allowed to stand for things. And I will tell you this, you would be shocked how many people in the United States of America are dying, absolutely dying to have somebody with guts out there to stand for something. But you see it all the time. You saw one aggrieved dork walks into Nike or something like that and doesn't like a sign and puts up a social media post. Soon, you get the CEO of Nike. We're deeply sorry about this. I'm tell him to shut up and go home. Gosh, these people. All right. I'm done. I'm done. Just had to make a couple points. That was this week in wokeism. But now, we have an app. 
the first TV has an app. Any one of your mobile devices, even your TV, go download the first TV app. It's free. You can watch the first on demand. Your, that's your favorite shows on demand whenever, or watch it live all day long. Go download the first TV app from the, da- from the app store and enjoy. We'll be right back with Light in the Mood next. I love a good recipe. I mean, is there anything better than coming across a good recipe? Now, granted, I usually just take it and hand it to the wife and I make a request. But, you know, when you, you see them all the time online right now, right? All these little videos of here's how you make this and you see someone chopping up stuff and it's delicious and here's how you make that. There's nothing better. Nothing better than a good recipe. So I thought for today's Light in the Mood, it would be appropriate to go to friend of the show, Andrew Gruel, who has a dynamite recipe for us. So here we are, we're going to go through a secret candy corn recipe. Everybody asks me this time of year, what should I do with this delicious candy corn I have? So I open the package, okay? Get yourself a bowl. And uh, you want to pour all the candy corn into a bowl, okay? Because you want to separate it to make sure that there's not whole pieces of corn in here because this is such fresh candy corn. Once you have all the candy corn in the bowl, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to get yourself a favorite garbage can, and then you're going to pour the candy corn into the garbage can because that's where it belongs. <laughs> He's not wrong. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.